0: Hello and welcome to the Easy Living Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Garen Kitan, coming to you live from D-Land, Florida. Um, And we are recording today. Actually, I am recording. This is a solo episode. Um, I'm recording from Georgia Avenue Hair Company. Thank you to my wife for having a space for me to chill out and go over some poker with everybody. Um, So this week, like I said, there's going to be no guests. It's just going to be a solo episode. I'm going to go over... um, here in a second, what we're going to be talking about today, and then I will detail upcoming episodes and the kind of plan for the future in 2024. So that's kind of the goal of this episode is to go over the past week, talk about upcoming schedules, um, talking about poker as a game, a lifetime game. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, kind of other aspects in your life that need to be right so that poker can be right. And then um, we're going to talk about a tournament plan I've got for this year plus a bankroll building plan that I'm finally once and for all going to do, even though I've wasted a lot of years, I should have done it a lot sooner. So uh, I'm going to go over that to kind of help other people not make that same mistake if you, it's something you want to get into uh, as far as playing poker. Um, so this past week, um, by the way, today is January 7th. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that January 7th, 2024. Hope everybody had a great New Year's um, and has a is off to a ha- happy and healthy uh, year. Uh, The past week um, I basically only had time to uh, play some cash games on ACR and then I I did play one tournament, um, kind of a little small uh, $2,000 guaranteed tournament, I believe there's a $4 buy-in. So those are the two sessions that I had this week. Um, I was very busy uh, getting back in the groove of things, teaching um, my high school classes, Um, so that's kind of what I was doing. And then I've got an interesting story I wanted to talk about here because A lot of people have asked me before, you know, Garen, what are your thoughts on online poker? You know, what do you think? Is it, you know, cheating or not? So I'm just going to do a basic online poker cheating scandal into Google. And I'm going to just see what pops up because there is a um, a deal going on with um, multiple sites. Um, ACR is having an issue. I know that um, Bovada... Ignition, all these other different sites um, are having some some uh, some issues. So I just want to go over real quick and kind of get my take on it. I'm going to type in ACR as well just to go through this and make sure I find the article that I wanted to talk about. Um, so here we go. We're going to go. This is from August. This is from August seventh of 2023. This is an older article, um, and they're they're being kind of silent on it, um, except for one thing, and I'll explain here in a second. So The article says, ACR Poker bans accounts of cheaters who stole, allegedly, $184,000 and they make security changes. So ACR Poker made several upgrades to its network designed to thwart online poker cheaters after the company found a small number of players, according to them, who worked together in ways that gave them an unfair advantage uh, in certain games and in certain tournament situations. So, in order to shore up their security leaks, the site banned the use of virtual machines and real-time screen share tools that were being used to cheat. So the changes basically, people were sharing their screens through like Zoom or whatever you want to talk about, or whatever app you use. Um, so basically, it makes the users run ACR Poker through their native hard drive and includes banning of those tools. So if you're using those tools, basically, like for example, Team Viewer, um, it will not allow you to play. So players who are caught violating the rules or any of those other listed on the site's terms and conditions receive a warning for the first offense, and then their account is suspended or permanently banned and funds seized if this happens again. Um, ACR Poker, formerly known as America's Card Room, is an online poker room that is not regulated by the government's gaming boards. Um, it operates in a gray area here in the United States and isn't subject to rules set by state gaming boards. So the poker site found um, in their release, they admitted that the real harm happened to players on the site by cheaters using now banned methods. Eight accounts were recently banned for collusion, as were an additional 25 accounts for, uh, as a precaution because of suspicious activity. Uh, and they released an apology. Um, and that was, like I said, back in August. Now, what's coming out basically with ACR is I'm gonna, uh, I'll show you the next thing. They've now issued a, let me go back to this website to, sh- to make sure I have it. ACR issues challenge to, chi- uh, to the cheating scandal. So here we go. Um, now ACR has come out and basically, let me, let me click on this here real quick and make sure I give you the best info. Um, So, I want to pull up Twitter, I think, because it it has a good, um, it has a good, uh, Joey Ingram, you know, on on Twitter has basically um, been calling them out numerous times, Phil Nagy, the CEO of ACR. Um, The one main issue they're having is super users, basically, there's possibly new accounts, are popping up and clearly playing in the south. that doesn't like they would make money in the long run. So they're trying, they're basically seeing anomalies in how people should play. And it's more or less people, multiple, or somebody is using, or multiple people are using multiple accounts to be able to gain an edge and cheat the system. So I, mean, and I hope everybody realizes this, but like anytime you have money at stake and you're online, for all of human history... And for the rest of human history, you're going to have pieces of excuse my language shit that are going to do this type of stuff. So uh, it's not a new issue. It's something that's been going on for a long time. Um, I remember when you know poker stars first was a big deal in full tilt poker. I mean, you could play in the same room with your buddies in the same tournament, be at the same table, same cash table. So it there's definitely uh, things that they have changed since then. Um, now, do I uh, think it's an issue? I do think it's an issue. I think it. I do know, though, that since I've been playing, I play very low stakes on ACR, and I have been able to turn profits, although, you know, it's not huge amounts, like 30, 40 bucks here or there in sessions, like little small cash sessions. But I know that I'm making money, so I know that there's, you know, it can't be all bad. But I do think that um, it needs to be um, addressed. So here we go, issues. I'm trying to still find this challenge. I have a, oh, here we go. They issued a $100,000 challenge in wake of uh, bot accusations. So they're basically saying there's a bunch of bots that are stealing money, that are playing unfairly, that are causing an edge and stealing from people. So here is the official statement. ACR has issued a $100,000 challenge in wake of the surging controversy and allegations made on 2 plus 2 that an unchecked bot farm has siphoned perhaps $10 million off of Winning Poker Network platform in recent months, just months. It's Ten million dollars in months. ACR Poker Team Pros Chris Moneymaker and Ebony uh, Kenny appeared in a brief video published by ACR on social media, explaining the terms of the challenge in which the first player who can prove that they've built a bot and run it effectively on ACR for five thousand hands will collect one hundred thousand dollars and be offered a full-time security position with the company. The one hundred thousand dollar challenge from ACR Poker is a direct, perhaps even confrontational response to a lengthy post by a member named Tyler64, who on Wednesday alleged the existence of a major bot farm in ACR. The two plus two users description referred to hundreds of accounts with similar playing styles that appear for brief periods, usually generate significant profits and then disappear only to be replaced by different alleged bot accounts using the same strategic ploys. So he listed several hundred bot accounts and quickly joined with the naming of more suspected bot accounts from other forum regulars. The alleged mass botting activity is alleged to have occurred in both cash games and tournaments. Tyler64's initial post also included links to additional data that was accompanied by the accusation that he had supplied evidence of the botting to ACR security but had received no response. Um, ACR, you know, has, has gotten a lot of... The team pros have gotten a lot of backlash, I've noticed, online uh, in Twitter and stuff like that, or X, I should say, uh, because they... They're saying that they're not speaking out or not doing enough. So, MoneyMaker and Kenny were quick to point out uh, that the allegations smear with a broad brush, including the site's brand uh, ambassadors. Their comment was, "We understand your frustrations, especially when you hear when you don't hear from us, uh, and that's why we're here today." So, Kenny added, "We will work diligently behind the scenes with ACR to speak up on behalf of poker players. You have no idea how vocal we are. It's really wild back here, and we can and we're doing everything we can." Well. That's fine and dandy, but you know what, to be honest with you, you got to be transparent with things. So this is like a good step, I guess, to make a comment at least. But you need to be out there in the open and and just be upfront and real with people. Like, everybody I think that plays poker that has any brain in their head knows that there's some cheating going on no matter what. It's always going to be the case. But this is pretty pretty big deal, and it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds um, as we move forward. I I mean, I know Chris. I've played with him before. Uh, He's he has a stop now on his Moneymaker Tour in Daytona, uh, the racing and car club over there. So, I mean, he, I, he seems like a very good individual. However, when money is lining your pockets and, you, you know, that's your full-time job, um, it is suspicious. And uh, you wouldn't want this to end, right? So you, I think that um, it, more needs to come out about it. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see. Um, I just also want to say that Moneymaker reiterated the first person to get this done gets a deal. Uh, it's a very good job. It'd be security um, and it would help our community. So like he's basically putting our money where our mouth is at and He basically wrapped up his announcement of the challenge On uh acr. It's at acr underscore poker on x if you would like to follow that And um, it's moneymaker directly on a video making uh comment, so And I know other sites like such as GG Poker and other things have acknowledged there's been cheating and refunded people. I believe as of right now, though, ACR has not refunded anybody in a major way yet. I may be wrong on that, but um, I know that other sites have figured out cheating going on and uh, made them basically change it back. So I'm going to click on a link here. I'm on poker.org, and there is a link here for... Uh, The Future of Online Poker, and it actually says, of course, the information is down, so we're going to go to the WSOP and see what this says. Okay, so real quick, uh, moving forward in 2024, I am going to get us on to the next, actually, the segment. So um, my upcoming schedule. So moving forward, myself personally, I've made a commitment in the year 2024 I'm going to play one live poker tournament per month, one poker tournament. That's it. Only one live one to get some reps in live, and then I'm going to try to play at least one to two or three uh, tournaments online every single week. So, you know, I'm trying to get more playing, but at the same time, I'm, I have a strategic reason for this, and I'll kind of explain moving forward. For the month of January, I want to give a plug to uh, Daytona Beach Racing and Card Club for their... Um, Uh, great job they've been doing. I think 2023 was a heck of a year, guys. I really appreciate y'all expanding, making the tournament. Tournament poker has never been better over there, at least since I have been um, in Florida. Um, So I just want to give a shout-out to those guys. I know uh, Joe and Brian, um, uh, big kudos to you for keeping this going and and keeping uh, the bar raised over there. And it's local for me. It's the closest room where I can have good uh, tournament action. So I really appreciate that. I will be playing their uh, tournament on... It's January 17th through uh, 22nd. Daytona Beach Racing and Card Club. Let me... I want to actually pull up the... I have it here. Let's go tournaments. And we're just going to discuss... It's Yeah, like I said, the 17th through the 22nd. So it goes on to say that they have... I'll list here their upcoming tournaments. Um have got a lot of different things. So January's tournament calendar is here. It looks like it's going to be a, um, a $200,000 guaranteed GAPT winter deep stack. Um, the flights are starting on Wednesday at eleven ten a.m. and six ten p.m. And that will continue on Thursday, the same times. Uh, Friday the same times and looks like Saturday will be 11:10 and 5:10 p.m. instead of 6:10. You're going to be starting with 30,000 tournament units, 30-minute levels. Uh, they do also offer um, satellites into this tournament. Uh, it looks like it'll be um, a $100 buy-in, 10,000 units, 15-minute levels. Uh, 20% of the field will move on. So for every five people, there five people they enter. They'll give a tournament seat away so they're making their 100 dollars per five people um they're putting in here so and that would be that's actually a pretty good deal a lot of times these satellites are very weak uh filled with weak players um it depends though over there in daytona it depends on which one you get like i remember i sat on a satellite table one time and i looked down and there's like for legitimately good players that are just trying to get into the tournament for cheap, so then that makes it even you know, a challenge. But most of the time, generally speaking, satellites are filled with a lot of regular, just uh, regular people that aren't like anywhere close to a professional. They just play for fun. That hey, it's their chance for only hundred dollars to get in, and if they can they can get a spot, then it's a big deal for them. So I probably will fire. I think I'm going to be probably playing on. Friday the 19th of January I think that's what I'm going to try for the six ten p.m. flight and then potentially Saturday if that does not go my way so that's going to be my January tournament that I play um, and then like I said every single month I'm going to play one tournament and then I will definitely bring some hands back for some analysis I'll talk about uh, how I did hopefully I can score one of these uh, make a deep run uh, and win some money and get 2024 off to a good start um, the next aspect of our podcast that I wanted to discuss is uh, a lot of people that I, I've actually had tell me that they've listened, they've enjoyed the show, and they want to hear some basics about poker. Um, and I try to tell people there's a lot, there's so many misconceptions with playing poker that you know, oh, it's a lot of people will anywhere from think that it's just. You're gambling, and it's, I mean, obviously it is gambling, but it's, it's, there's so much strategy involved when you play, and so many disciplined rules that you got to adhere to to make yourself successful that I don't think people truly realize what it all entails. But I, I've, I have a couple of notes written down here. So, poker is a game of, it's game, literally like life. It's, it's, every aspect of your life has to be right in order to be playing poker right and being successful. Like, you have to be comfortable in your own skin, your health, your fitness, your finances, your job, if you have another one, uh, any hobbies that you're doing, like family, things that matter to you most in your life, especially as we start out in 2024, you should sit down and get get it right. Like, what do you want? What do you want out of your life? What, what are your priorities? And, and less is more. I um, actually, it was, it was a tough decision, but I have decided I stepped down as um, head bowling coach for our local high school, and I'm basically using that time to focus more on uh, finishing my master's. Uh, I'm going to do that, and then I'm also going to put more time into this podcast and poker, and hopefully do a little umpiring also this spring. So for me, my life is, I have, I've already got off to a good start in 2024. I've been eating well. I've been working out every day uh multiple times a day like i've been doing a couple workouts a day I'm, I'm doing my little 75 hard program again i'm just trying to stay low key with it um if you want to look that up you go for it um and basically i'm i'm trying to shore up and make sure that my health and fitness my finances my job is secure and then my time spent on hobbies such as umpiring which is going to make me extra money and poker those are kind of my, my priorities so As I move forward, if you enter into poker or if you are a poker player, really evaluate that. Take the time. You may think you have everything going right in your life and everything is fine, but if you really take a detailed analysis of how you're spending your time and how healthy you are in all of those categories, that will be a huge determinant in whether or not you're going to be a successful poker player. Um, I'm making this commitment not just now, but I hope to make this commitment moving forward for the rest of my life. That's I don't want to have to restart every January and just come in and be, oh, well, you know, obviously you reevaluate things and you try to get yourself better, but I don't want it to be starting from scratch every single time. Um, so moving forward, the next topic I want to talk about is bankroll management. So a lot of people that play poker are doing it just as a hobby. That's fine. You don't have to have any bankroll management. If you just play for a hobby and you just want to play tournaments every now and then you're not worried about, you know, wins or losses, you know, then that's fine. But if you are serious and want to make it like this, turn this hobby into you know, making a profit and making you some money, um, I recommend the following. So whatever tournament you're gonna play, you should have, like if you have a full-time job outside of poker that is giving you consistent money, you can be a little less conservative on this outline. But generally speaking, you should have 50 to 100 buy-ins of whatever tournament you're gonna play. That is my opinion, um, and that's come from a lot of years of doing this, and a lot of years of talking to other players that are successful, uh, a lot of other like full-time players. Like when you get down to it, poker is—it's not all glamorous and and flipping over the nuts and you know or showing a big bluff. It's—it's it's gr- a grind to become uh, a spe- you know a pro and being able to do it uh, for a living. So if you don't want it, like if you're not Work, or if you have another, excuse me, if you have a full-time job and poker is just kind of like a serious hobby, like kind of like for me, I I fluctuate that down just a little bit lower because I know that I have consistent income coming in that I don't have to worry about poker being my income. So generally speaking, if you've got at least, like if you have a full-time job, I would have somewhere between maybe 20 to 40 buy-ins at whatever you're gonna play. Like, so, and that's, that gets, catches up to you quick. Cause like if you, if you want to play a $500 turn, or for example, this. $400 tournament in Daytona, you're going to want to have, I mean, at least about I what would it be 8,000 to $16,000 liquid that you don't have to worry about losing. Like that's kind of a big deal to people people don't think about it and realize like you have to be focused at the table and not be worrying, about, "Oh my god, you know, like I only have this amount of money left. What am I going to do?" You just got to be able to play your best game. So, that is number 1 that I would suggest. Anybody that's starting out before you even play play, play for super cheap stakes online or something to gain, get reps, or really cheap tournaments that you can afford, and then build a bankroll plan to where you, where you can save to where you can get that money, and then begin embarking on taking on a little bit bigger tournaments and stuff like that. So I have my own bankroll separate from any of my finances, and like I've been building it for a while now again, rebuilding it, I should say. Um, and so my plan is, and I don't know if anybody's heard this, but I my wife is gonna laugh at me because I, she cl- thinks that I've watched one video, and now that this is my plan, and I'm only listening to one. I've heard of this before, and what it is is, if you invest five dollars into the stock market, and for example, a um, an ETF like an S&P 500 ETF, like for example, Vanguard has one. Its ticker is VOO. If you do an average of five dollars per trading day in the year, it's like ends up being about eighteen hundred and some odd dollars, I believe, eighteen hundred and sixty dollars roughly. And if you do that for like, you know, it's just five bucks a day. It's, it's a cup of coffee a day. Make a, a reoccurring investment. Use whatever. I'm not going to plug any sites. I use, I have a couple of them going right now. I have one on Robinhood because I have an account, and I also have one going through my SoFi account. So I just have two of them going where it pulls, it's like 750 per business day it, because that's roughly the average is if you were doing it every day. Um, so Monday through Friday, that gets pulled and just put into that investment, and it grows over time. So this year, it would be roughly thirty-seven hundred, thirty-eight hundred dollars that will get put into this fund. If you do that over a three to four-year span of time, I've already done this for about a year, almost a year. I wish I'd have started sooner. I'd be, I'd be there. But um, more or less, by the time I'm 40 years old, I will have enough money to very, you know, be comfortable playing um, these bigger style tournaments more consistently. And really getting into poker and and becoming better. Um, I think that's one thing people don't realize is like the difference between people that make it and don't are the discipline to do things that are required to be successful. You just have to put your money where your mouth is and if you want to do it just automate it get it done and make it happen and then live your life uh the rest of everything as you see fit you know but that's what I'm doing to help build my bankroll. Um, it'll, that money will continue to add to my bankroll to where hopefully when I'm in my 40s, I basically have the luxury to be able to play um, more seriously and take it uh, to another level that I really never have. And to be honest with you, I'm 37 years old right now and I, I, I've i played poker for a long time and I've, I know that I'm a, a good player um, and capable of more and I, one of the biggest things holding me back is I just not undisciplined. Bankroll management is really the number one reason why uh, I've been held back somewhat, you know, and, and could be much 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 better off. So onward and upward, as my brother would say, it's his phrase. I want to give him a little shout out. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna make it happen in 2024 and beyond. Um, now that uh, that is on the table. I just want to mention that look for any type of beginning resource uh, that you can if you want to learn how to play poker. Shout out to my mother-in-law, Andrea, for wanting to learn. I will help you. I've got a really simple book. It's called Poker for Dummies because, to be honest with you, when you have never played poker, you are a dummy. Not you, but like everybody's a dummy. It was the first book I actually read ever. And to be honest with you, it still applies today in that it gives you like the basic principles of how to become uh, a poker player and just how to learn the basics and those, those books kind of get like a, uh, I think they get like a bad rap like people think that they're not worth of you know There's there actually is a lot of really good stuff in there, especially if you're just starting out. So I will definitely lend that to you and um, We'll talk about some strategies moving forward and maybe someday you can come on the show and we'll we'll ask you how you're doing So that's we talked about that a little bit. So we'll see what happens Um, All right, we're on to the last segment of the show today. I'm going to go over two different hands with everybody today. Uh, One is a cash game, and then the other one is a tournament hand. So let's go to – I have it pulled up here. Let me find it. I've actually downloaded the uh, hand history from ACR to kind of show everybody – or to go through it and make sure that I I speak correctly onto what we are talking about and make sure all the bets are correct, et cetera. So this was from a um, cash game here. Let me make sure I get it. Where is it at? All right, here we go. Let me... um, Okay, here we go. I'm going to highlight it. So It was highlighted, and then my cursor just went off of it and didn't... uh, didn't let me do it. So, all right. Um, this is a six max table. So only six players. There are only five seated in game right now in this hand. So seat number one is the button. Uh, his screen name is Sun Kuro S O N K U R O. He's sitting with $98 and 43 cents in a stack. So he's got a big stack. He's already doubled the max buy-in by the way, is 50 at this table. Uh, I am sitting in the small blind with $47.32 from my $50 original stack. Uh, Paleophile has $90.96, so he's also doubled. And then um, that's the big blind. Uh, Pridelia has $50 to set down there under the gun. And then Patience, 007, has only $18.94. So I post the small blind. Paleophile posts the big blind and the... I am dealt ten nine of diamonds in the small blind. Ten of diamonds, nine of diamonds. Uh, Under the gun, uh, Prydelia raises, just doubles the bet. uh, Excuse me, they raise to a dollar. Okay, so the blinds at this uh, table are going to be are twenty five cents, fifty cents. So they just double the bet. So they just click it, double it up. Um, It folds. uh, Patience folds, and then on the button. Kiro raises to $3.50. So they three bet at three and a half times the pot. Um, and now here comes my... So I have 10-9 of diamonds in the, in the small blind. I had been very... I will admit I'd been very like card dead in this moment. And this is kind of one of the first hands that even looked appealing to me. So I will make a small admission that I kind of was... And this is not really good. But I hadn't played any hands and I was really looking forward to playing this hand. So I decided to... Um, make the call just a cold call of that three bet and then believe it or not the original razor just folded so i was hoping by me just cold calling that i could get another call and that'd give me a little bit more pot odds if i could flop a big hand um, especially if the button actually had uh, the top of his range now i had watched the button play quite a bit this was i'd been probably playing for a half an hour and Sun Kuro, the guy with 98 dollars on the button he had been very aggressive and opening a lot, and now you're going to open more when you're at a shorter-handed table, compared to like a, a nine-handed table. But I had noticed some things about him that might lead me to believe that either he didn't necessarily have to have like the top top of his range every time to make this three bet, and then also even if he did have that very very top top 10, nine of diamonds, even though you're out of position, like you can you can stack some people off and really get big hands um, if you. Uh, You know, hit your hand and it can be disguised a little bit. So I did make the call. I think it's ultimately actually probably the wrong play. So don't get me, don't get it twisted. I think it's probably should be a fold, but, or a four bet, one of the two. um, And just to take it down there. But I called. So anyway, the flop comes. um, Let me make sure I get it here. Okay. Queen of clubs, queen of spades, three of diamonds. So actually, it's not really a, I would say it's, it's, uh, uh, worse than average flop for my hand. Like, I don't, you know, you don't love to see it when you've got 10-9 diamonds. But to be positive, I do have a backdoor, like, straight draw and a backdoor flush draw. You know, I have to have running cards. Um, and my thought process was, you know, if the button does have the top of the range, like, I'm obviously going to range them, like, probably with this guy, because he was a little bit more aggressive, I was actually probably going to go as low as, like, ace-nine suited all the way up, you know, to ace-king suited. Then I'd probably have, like, ace-jack off or better, ace-queen. Ace-king obviously is in his range. You know, all the big pairs are in his range for a three-bet there. But also, you know, he could have some small suited connectors. He could also have, like, a lot of his range is, like, sevens, eights, nines, tens. Um, so, I mean, he, he had a wider range than like a normal, like a, like a conservative player. He's definitely playing a lot of hands. So my thought process was, you know, I'm going to check this. And if he bets, I'm going to wait and see what he bets the amount. And I do know that if I call, if I float the the flop, there are a lot of cards on the turn that can help me continue in the hand. And I know that if I do float the, the flop and I just, it bricks on the turn, I know I can easily just check fold and be out of the hand and I, you know, I'd lose a little bit, but it wouldn't be as, as bad. Um, So anyway, I do, um, I check and then he bets into, the pot has $8.08 in it. He bets $2.61. So he's betting like a little bit over, somewhere between a quarter pot and a third pot. He's betting like basically like 20, like 30% of the pot, roughly a a third bet. And uh, he bets $2.61 and so I make the call. Uh, I took a little bit of time on this, and I just I just want to float, see if he's for real. Uh, you know, if he's got any hand like nines, tens, jacks, um, obviously I'm, I'm negating queens now. I don't think he's going to bet at all ever if he has quads. Um, not ever, but highly unlikely. There is good players will float that in there and just make a continuation bet because they know that people like me are going to think that they're going to possibly be scared with, you know, a double uh, cardboard like that. Uh, especially if you have like kings and you see queen queen three you're not exactly happy because you could be easily beat um so i call and the turn is glorious i love it it's a jack of clubs so it does exactly what i was hoping and as soon as i saw the jack come on i realized that like hey like we're gonna we're gonna be playing this hand probably down to the river at this point so it gives me an up and down straight draw uh once again the uh the board is queen of clubs queen of spades three of diamonds jack of clubs um There is $13.04 in the pot. I checked again with the um, plan of check raising. So right now I'm just gonna let you know, like I was going to uh, make a committed bet here. Like he bet again, I was gonna make a significant raise to just try to take it down right there. Um, So when I checked, he then uh, thinks for a while and checks back. So immediately in my head, you know, he's slowing down. He's not liking the fact that the board you know, whatever he's got, uh, you know, it's another overcard. If he has 8s, 9s, 10s, he's going to slow down for sure. If he hit, Even if he has, I, th- I think with kings and aces, he's probably going to bet again. But he can also check for pot control there. So um, it's definitely still possible. He obviously could have, like, queen, jack, and just have me dead and just be checking back, hoping that I hit something that's definitely also in his range. Um and so anyway, so he checks back and the river comes the nine of clubs. So there is no flush. there is a straight completed. King 10 would be the nut straight um, and then 10 eight would also be the lower end of the straight. Um, the pot, like I said was 13 dollars and four cents in the middle. and it's on me first. and at that moment I was I I thought if I checked here, he is gonna check back a lot of the time with his big hands like Aces or Kings. For just pot control it's, it's kind of a scary board because if you if you have aces or kings and you bet and then you get raised it's kind of like you puke you want to throw up because you pretty much have to fold so i decided to make a pretty substantial bet i bet about um almost 75 percent of the pot i bet nine dollars and two cents so a, a bigish. but I, I was floating between this size of bet and like a full pot bet or even a little bit more than pot but i decided you know like i feel like I need it to be substantial, but I also need it to be a little value-ish. Like, they need to think, okay, this is a this is more than, you know, I think if he has a bigger hand, like if, you, if I bet half pot, he has to just snap off with aces or kings or, you know, that. But if I bet a little bit more, he does uh, potentially fold. So either way, though, I think with this bet, if he has the bigger hands, aces, kings, he's going to just call. But... When he does that, he ultimately ends up, he thinks he tanks for a while and he folds. So I win the pot. I take down uh, a nice little pot there. Um, He probably, I think what I probably got him to fold was either ace, king, suited, unsuited, or like tens, or um, obviously not nines because he'd have have nines full. He's never folding there. He's going to raise me most likely. Um, And, you know, I probably fold out eights, sevens. I could see maybe like jack 10 folding, but actually when the jack turn he's probably really happy with the jack comes and he, I think he'd probably find a call with just a jack there the way the board played out. So he probably just missed had his big ace king or um I guess maybe he could have ace 10 or something some type of combo um you know. So anyway, I that was ultimately my my thought process was is that if I bet or if I check, I just don't want him checking back with, you know, eights, and he wins the pot. I I have to make a stand at that point, one way or the other. And obviously, in my mind, like, if I bet $9 like that there, and uh, 902, and he raises, then obviously I'm just going to have to muck my hand and fold. But in the end, it worked out for me, so it was a good hand. I ended up uh, on this uh, table, I think, as, as I looked through my hand history, bought in with 50, and I think I ended up, I won another pot down the road, I ended up with, like, $77, and just so I took my twenty seven dollar profit and ran after about an hour of play on this day all right so then the next stand i have for you is the last thing and we'll get on our way for the week um i had a tournament i was playing a four dollar and forty cent buy-in tournament two thousand guaranteed um we were down to i want to say 36 people made the money i i, I do not have this data on me and i'm sorry for that but Needless to say, we were. I know for a fact we were three people from the money. I can't remember if it was like 36 or 16 because I played a couple tournaments. But this hand was uh, a situation that comes up in poker where you have to uh, determine are you going to play for the win or are you going to play just a min cash. So it's a $4.40 tournament. The min cash, I believe, was like $6.89. So you're not even doubling your money. You know, it's these, these structures have flattened out to where there's not much money until you get into the top, you know. I don't know, top, uh, basically final table. There's really nothing to be made. So uh, my goal is obviously to cash, but at the same time, I need to accumulate chips. Going into this hand, I was the big blind, and I had about 24 big blinds, okay, total, which I'm sitting pretty, like, with with 30, or with, it was, I think, 20 people left, and there's 16 paid, so I am I can fold and probably make the money, like, just continue to fold for the next 20, 30 minutes and, and be in the money, but I was dealt pocket jacks in the big blind. Uh, it folded all the way around to the button. The button made a standard uh, two and a half times the uh, blind raise. Now my thought process was I can um, do a couple things. I can I can three bet like to about seven big blinds or seven and a half big blinds roughly. And then just rip it in on every pretty much every board unless it's like something really bad like two over like or ace king you know something you know a bad textured board or I can I, I definitely did not want to just rip it all in although in these tournaments you'd be surprised like if, if there's a button raise and you rip it people just think you're calling their bullshit and then they'll just they'll call with a lot lighter hands than you'd, you'd imagine but in this instance my actual mindset was I'm going to call and kind of play it safe and hopefully, the person on the button will not think that I'm going to do that with it being my range. Jacks probably wouldn't be just a call. It's usually a 3-bet every time. And then if the board... Um, I did make the commitment that if the board came out smaller than the jack, like it, and it wasn't too connected, that I'd be playing for all my chips. Like, I would never fold. So I did call, uh, and so there's like six big blinds in the pot. And the flop came Queen of Diamonds, Jack of Hearts, 10 of Diamonds all red I had the black jacks the spade and club so I flop middle set Um, I was very uh, happy with this obviously um, because either way even if the guy somehow has ace like the top top of his range I'm ahead of it like I'm crushing it so um, like aces or kings and then if he has ace king obviously I'm behind but I do have outs so I'm really not ever once I see the flop I'm never folding uh, I don't think ever, just because I only had about 21 big blinds left. So it ended up going um, to where I checked, and the opponent made a very um, small-ish bet, like two and a half, another bet, basically just more than what he had raised. like So basically like three big blinds or 2.75 big blinds. And um, at that point, I only have 21 big blinds left, or 21 and a half, I believe. So I really was okay with just ripping it in and hoping he, you know, I wasn't going to be upset if he just folded and I ticked down the pot there because it adds quite a bit of value to my stack and pretty much also, you know, I, I'm set to be able to cash and make a run at it. So I did jam. Um, I, I did think that making a small raise versus a the jam was really no no different. I was committed. And I wanted to go for it, so I, I didn't want to make a small raise, have him call, and then have a really bad card and then somehow have to fold. I just don't think I would ever fold, so I just rip it in. Uh, the guy thought about it for a little bit and like snapped off. He snapped pretty quickly. Um, Ace. Of, he had Ace of Diamonds, Queen of Hearts, so he had backdoor diamonds, and I mean, he had top pair, and then obviously he has a gutter ball to a straight. Um, so we got it on in, in a really good spot, you know, pretty good uh, equity spot there. Uh, unfortunately, the turn was a four, which was that's good. The river was the king of diamonds. Unfortunately, so I ended up losing uh, the hand, and I did not cash. So I lost my four dollars and forty cents down the drain, and had to move on to the next one. But overall, I don't, I don't really think his play is. I don't think it's bad. I think you probably have to call. He had about thirty, like I said thirty big blinds going in. So I mean, it was for he would only had I think he had like ten big blinds remaining if he would have lost the hand. I think at that point, it's, it kind of plays itself. You have top pair, you even have you know the outs to a straight, and you have the diamond. I, I, I don't fault his play, it just didn't work out in my favor that time. So anyway, um, that's how it went for my week. Um, I really want to thank everybody for taking a listen. Um, and then I do want to just give a shout out one more time to Daytona Beach Racing and Card Club. I appreciate y'all um, over there and all your hard work. Um, hopefully down the road we can Seth and I will be able to discuss some some ideas we have with y'all moving forward um, and then I will next week have some exciting guests I'm, I'm going to do a recording on Tuesday or Wednesday with a beast of a crusher so it's going to be a very good episode and it will relate a lot to uh, current events and a lot of beginning poker stuff and uh, so I'm really looking forward to that and then next week I will let you know uh, what goes down in Daytona, how, how it works out for, for me. And we'll put it on the following episode for weeks to come. So uh, once again, it's Garen and signing off. Oh, real quick, uh, do you want to put one last thing? My email, garen, G-A-R-O-N, at easylivingpoker.com. If you want to send me an email with any hands, still waiting on some. I've got some buddies that are going to give me some other than my own, but anybody out there wants to give me a hand, you're more than welcome to send it my way or um, you know, text me if you know me or whatever, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a hand on the show. Uh, until next time, keep on easy living.